Welcome to the Mothering Together podcast. Today is day one of two with Melissa Stutz. She is an amazing mom from the neat and tidy space, and she's located in Bedford, New Hampshire. Her passion for organization is just something that honestly is pretty foreign to me. I am not good at organizing, but as a mom of two boys, we totally related, and we talked so much in today's episode about becoming a mom and what that looks like and just all of the it was just such a great opportunity to talk to another mom about the process of becoming a mom. So that's what we're talking about in today's episode. And then simultaneously today, I'm actually going to post or whatever, put up a second podcast that is all about her process of organization. I thought it might be good to separate the two out because if you're just in it to learn about organizing, then go on to the next one. But if you want to hear her story and kind of she's just so insightful, then stick around for today, for this one. And then the next one you're really going to enjoy as well. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let me know what you think. All right, here we go. Welcome to the mothering together podcast. I'm your host Kayla, and I am here to be your ADHD mom friend together. We're going to discover plausible and practical tips for stay at home moms with ADHD. It's not like the other podcasts out there where one woman found success doing XYZ strategy and she thinks anyone can do it? No, no, no. We're going to work through systems to find what works for women like you and me, who struggle with time management and organization, who have tried all the other things and they didn't work because they weren't individualized and for us personally. As a mom of two and with ADHD myself, I understand how challenging it can be to balance homemaking, raising those little lovable monsters and managing our own unique brains. But don't worry, you're not alone. Each week, I release a new episode on Wednesday where I discuss topics related to homemaking, parenting, and time management. I get to leverage my connections as a pediatric SLP to get interviews with experts in the fields of parenting and development. I share my own personal stories and the stories of moms from our community. And most importantly, I fill each of these episodes with practical tips that you can try today. The goal of each and every episode of this podcast is for you to have at least one, at least one idea that will give you a whole heck of a lot more ease and a little bit less stress in your day-to-day life as a stay-at-home mom. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom with ADHD or you're just looking for ways to better manage your time in your home, I'm here to help. Go brew yourself the biggest cup of coffee that your Keurig can handle, and let's dive in. Hello, everyone. I have Melissa with me here today. Hi, Melissa. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. You are a person with a skill set that I would say I don't quite have. (laughs) So that's always good to have on the podcast because it's great to have someone who is Uh, has a strength that you don't have so you can learn from them, right? So I'm very excited to learn from you today. And, um, but I also am excited to hear from you about just motherhood and your experience as a mom. So we'll start with motherhood because that's how we all can connect. And then we'll talk about becoming more organized, which I think everyone could benefit from. Can you tell the story of like before you became a mom, like who were you? And then kind of what has led you from that I'll call her a girl because we are girls before we become moms and then we become a woman and a mother. And then from that girl to sort of this woman who's sitting across from me on Zoom. And what what was that journey like and how did you become 
a mom who's also an organizer? That's a big question. <laughs> that's tell me your life. That is a yeah, that's a loaded that's a loaded question. So I grew up here in the New England area and when I graduated high school I decided I wanted to get as far away from New England as possible. So I went to Arizona. I did a year and a half of school there and realized that I missed and longed for the season changes. And so I came home. I finished my schooling in Boston for child development and decided I would go back to Arizona for like the best months, which are September through May. Mm. And in that time, my husband and I started dating. We got engaged uh, and then we got married shortly after that. So we lived in Arizona for about eight years um, and I had applied all of my schooling that I got. So I worked with prenatal and postnatal uh, substance abusing moms. I worked with at-risk youth and was a case manager with them. As a girl, I feel like I slowly was figuring out who I was and what I wanted to do. I think I got married really young. I was, was 23 and it's now I'm 42. And so it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, I didn't know who I was then. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I thought I did. Mm -hmm. I was active and outdoorsy and I love to read and run and I'm a social person. So I love to be with people and I love to travel. Those are kind of like my my things that hold me together that keep me grounded. Um, and we had our oldest, Isaac, 12 years ago while we were living in Arizona. And that was a, a big adjustment. That first, that first child is, it's Ram tough. Him. Yeah, he was, um, he was, he was a call. I, I don't want to say colic because it's such a, a term that's thrown around all the time. He did have acid reflex. Mm -hmm. He was a fussy baby. Mm -hmm. uh, he loved to, to suck often. And so we had to do like a crazy schedule where if it wasn't time for him to eat, he couldn't eat because he had the acid reflex, which caused gas, which caused a lot of crying which led to him wanting to suck, which everyone told me, he's hungry. Don't tell people that their baby is hungry. Let the mom use her mom instinct mm -hmm. to know uh, where their baby is and what their baby needs uh, because that's the best gift that you can give is definitely trusting your gut to know what's best for you and your family. So we lived in Arizona for about a year and a half. My husband's company only went so far east because I was ready to move home and be closer to family. And so we moved to Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. We had a little mini vacation there for a year and a half. We had our second baby in Pennsylvania, which was a whole nother experience. Going from one to two was absolutely wild. Yep. So I have two boys and they are very active. They keep me on my toes, which is great because a lot of my grounding of adventure and quality time and being outside has spread to them just naturally. And so our days and our routines were very much the same every day with just shifting little tiny things. So one day we'd go to the library. One day we would go to story time. Mm -hmm. One day we would go to a play date at the park. One day we would go to a coffee shop, right? But it's pretty much consistent. But your day, like your whole day routine was similar. That's how my days are currently. It feels mundane a little bit, but I think our kids thrive in that, that structure, in that predictability. Mm-hmm in that routine for us. So those days are long and hard. And I, you know, any mom is listening, <laughs> any kids running around in the background, if you're in those days. I know everyone says to cherish them. And I would, I would, I would pay a lot of money to go back to that time and sit on the floor and roll a ball repeatedly mm -hmm. back and forth over and over again, because you do miss it and it does change. But 
don't discredit that it's hard. It's hard work. And you, what you are doing, although it feels like it goes unnoticed, is not unnoticed. You're doing amazing things, mama. <laughs> you deserve a coffee. Take yourself mm-hmm. through Starbucks <laughs> and get one. Definitely. I agree. Well, thank you for sharing your kind of journey yeah. to, into motherhood. And I agree. My My transitions from no kids to kids and then from one kid to two kids. I think that's probably why I started this podcast because it was like everyone talks about it, I guess, but nobody talked about it in a way that I was listening. And so I just wanted to sort of start telling more and more stories of moms who like have experienced shifts and changes and like become new versions of ourselves, right? Like we're constantly just like reinventing ourselves yeah exactly even our schedules do that constantly now so so when you first became a mom like what were your biggest challenges and then what were your biggest strengths it sounds like maintaining and keeping a schedule was like a strength for you but where were you like oh my gosh this is so hard I remember when we brought Isaac home he's our oldest I remember Gosh, I'm going to get emotional. I remember at week two asking my husband if we could give him back. (laughs) And it wasn't because I didn't love him, of course. um, But he, no one, like you just said, like everyone talks about the really exciting things about a baby, the stuff that comes along with a baby, the joys that you're going to (laughs) have, the smiles and the hugs and the loves and that, that it really is all beautiful things. But no one talks about enough about the sleepless nights. No one talks enough about you're going to bring this baby home and he or she is going to sleep really great for the first like three weeks because they're in the dream phase. Totally psych you out. (laughs) It's like you out. You're like, this is a breeze. Why does everybody complain? And then all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know how specific I can be on here, but like all of a sudden your milk's coming in. You're, you're leaking through all over your t-shirt and your bed because you're sweating and your milk's pouring everywhere. Your baby's screaming. You're, you're not super comfortable in terms of what your body just went through. Your belly is like this weird thing that you aren't used to anymore. <laughs> so weird. Not yours. You you don't have sleep. I think, I think for me, it was the biggest struggle was it, it probably relates to feeling out of control, like the unpredictability um, and the adjust, just the adjustment to the schedule where I remember I called my sister one day. She has a little girl who's six months older than my son. And she said to me, so thankfully she's like just far enough ahead that she could give me all the tips and tricks. This was before podcasts. Our, we didn't even have phones that you could access internet on. Wow. Um, it wasn't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> you just dated yourself, but I love yes, it. <laughs> I know, I know. There's there's pros and cons to the, those phones. I and agree. The information you can gather. But I remember calling her and I said, he has been crying for like five hours. Mm. And she said, he should not be awake for more than 90 minutes. You missed his sleep window. And it was then that I realized, oh, okay, like I have to pick up on these cues Mm -hmm. and figure out what's best for him and then trust my instinct to know what's best for him. But those first few weeks, I think because I lived so far away, I had a lot of help flying in. My mom was there for 10 days. She flew home for 10 days. She flew back for 10 days. She was like my night nanny. She always takes the babies and sleeps with them and then brings them in to eat and takes them away. Um, And then I had two girlfriends fly in 
some uh, at different dates. So, so it I, sounds like you had a really great village of support. Had a great village. Yeah. But I think I had postpartum depression. I just didn't know it. I remember looking at him and he was crying and I was crying and I was like, I don't know what you want. Like, I don't know how to solve this problem for you. Mm-hmm. So the biggest challenge for me was not knowing what he needed, not feeling prepared enough, not feeling like I had that education behind me. But didn't you have the early education background? Like, that's what mm-hmm. I kept being like, I should know this. But I yep. didn't. <laughs> but they don't. Te- they teach you that from a developmental stage, but they don't teach you that from a motherhood stage. Mm-hmm. So not only are you trying to learn to care for this child, and this goes all stages of life, but you're trying to care for yourself. Mm-hmm. And in that stage, you both need so much time to recover. It's so traumatic for both of you. Just naturally, the birthing. He he had a beautiful, calm, lights off birthing experience. But it's still a traumatic experience for both of our bodies. Our bodies Mm -hmm. don't know that the lights were off. Our bodies don't know that it was beautiful and music was playing. (laughs) And so you have to recover Mm -hmm. from that. There's really no time to recover. So that was really, really hard. The best gift. And I, I love that you have this podcast. I love that you have an outlet on social media where people can come and gather and bounce ideas off of each other and get to know each other and have a space to meet up mm-hmm. because the isolation of motherhood, I think, is the what holds you back and hinders us the most and is mm-hmm. most hurtful. And so I always tell people the best thing that happened with my first was that our hospital did a breastfeeding group every Friday. Mm-hmm. And so once a week, my goal was to get to breastfeeding at 10 a.m. Didn't matter what I looked like. I aimed to shower. Yes. That was a goal. (laughs) Um, And I brought him every single week. And that community of moms at the same, they they aged out at at one. Mm -hmm. And then the next group of kids, it was a a continuous rotating group. Do you still talk to any of those moms today? I still keep in touch with five of the the original five that were at all of my birthing classes we still are in contact. That's amazing. And so like that is huge. I hear that a lot that like moms who did those, those breastfeeding classes or whatever, like those groups really kind of have become lifelong friends because you're in it together and in that same, like even your sister, right? She's like six months, you said, Mm -hmm. six weeks, six months ahead of you. Like having that person ask those questions. I don't have a sister. So I have like, you have a lot of sisters. Yes, I've had to create the sisterhood that I needed. And yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for sharing. It brings me back. It really is. It does. It does. It helps to know when you go there. I remember remember thinking, gosh, this is so nostalgic now. I remember thinking Isaac was laying on the ground. And like I shared, he was a really fussy baby, um, which was a challenge in and of itself. But he was laying on the ground and he was happy and content and playing and three babies around me were screaming. And I thought, oh, it's not just my baby. Like it normalized what I was Mm -hmm. feeling to be able to then go home and feel more confident in who I was as a mom, that Mm -hmm. this wasn't just my baby who was struggling or my baby who was crying for an hour straight, that other babies feel the same way. Other parent, other moms are feeling like this. Right. To know that you're in it together whether it's in person or whether it's virtual. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a huge support. Yeah. Cause I came of age like as a mom kind of right around COVID. So much of it 
is digital at this point. Like my, most of my friends, my good friends, I've met like digitally, my good mom friends. And it's just been such a different journey of like learning how to be a mom and also how to make friends on the internet and how to then turn that into like a real life friendship. Um, but it's, I, I'm very, I'm lucky. Um, and I totally, I don't know. Well, you saw a need and you implemented what you needed mm-hmm. to be able to create something because most of the time, if you need something, there's another mom who needs or feels the same thing. Right. And the fact that you created that, I give you a ton of credit because COVID <laughs> and babies was tricky. It's going to be is lots tricky. of books and movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're so, you're so right. I bet there will be. All right. So let's shift a little bit. Um, when did you start realizing that as a mom, one of your survival strategies would be organization? And then how did you realize that if you needed that, other moms needed that? And then you made your business. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I think we always had an organized system. I remember, you know, when you're in the hospital, they have everything organized for you. So they have the baby glass bassinet, right? And underneath it has all the drawers and each drawer contains a certain item that you need. So the diapers were in the top, the wipes were underneath that, the little sucker bulb for their nose, now known as the Frida, where you can find <laughs> out yourself. Mm-hmm. We never had that. <laughs> they have a, a battery one. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, see, oh, even better, yes. way better. Yep. Um, and I remember going home and being like, where are the diapers? Mm. Where's I mean, we had them. They were in his room at his changing table, but that obviously didn't work for us because maybe we needed to change him in our bedroom or maybe he was being changed in the living room. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just naturally have always been an organizer. And I quickly realized with kids, things were more efficient if I knew where the things were. Mm-hmm. And if the diapers were in one specific spot or the baby car seat was always left in the same spot, so that when I was getting ready to get out the door, it was one less step to worry about. The same was true for their diaper bags, right? This is a great example. Every time I would come home, I would restock. So if I only used a few diapers, I mean, I don't remember being this meticulous about it. Mm-hmm. It was just natural. So if I used a couple diapers while I was out, I restocked them rather than waiting until you got down to one or zero mm-hmm. diapers. And now you have a blowout and you forgot to put in a new outfit and your kid has pooped all over the car. It, <laughs> It's just me use a beach towel, not speaking from experience or anything. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And there's no judgment to any of that. I just quickly realized I could make my life easier if I took five minutes to restock the diaper bag. Then the next day when I was trying to get out to the breastfeeding group, I didn't have to put him down to where he was going to vomit or explode out of his outfit again and have to change him for the fourth time this morning to try to get out the door and be late. I could just quickly grab the diaper bag because it was ready, put him in the car seat that was in the same spot every day and get out the door. Mm -hmm. And again, it wasn't that rigid. It was just a natural progression of what can I do to make everything easier. It's funny that you say that example in particular, because for me, and we've talked about, I have ADHD. And so like, it's, different the way my brain functions like it's funny to listen to you I'm assuming you're neurotypical um and your brain is like yep 
I can do this and it's gonna, like I can create this system and blah, blah, blah. My brain is like, I think I'm pretty good. I have like, everyone has different executive functioning strengths and weaknesses, right? Mine is like, I'm really good at noticing there's a problem and like thinking about it and problem solving it. But then that application of the solution is like so tricky for my brain. So what I did, because I had the same problem, obviously, as a mom, what I did is I would like put a sticky note on my door that was like diapers, (laughs) diapers and wipes. And like, or I would just picture like, if I go out and he poops everywhere, how am I going to solve that problem? And like, that was, I had to visualize every single time. Otherwise I would have had to do the, the beach towel multiple times. All the time. <laughs> Not just once. All the time. Yep. Yeah. No, that's so cool. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate listening to your, your brain and how your brain works because it's a little different than how my brain works, but everyone's brains are different. Oh, absolutely. And any tricks and tips that you can do, I always tell people, like, whatever works for you is mm-hmm. what's best. You can't take your ADHD brain and try to implement all of my brain practices and I can't take my brain and try to stick post-it notes all over the house because right. that clutter visually would cause me anxiety and stress. Right. So it's yeah. like finding out what works. Yeah, it's all individualized for everybody. Like you have to meet, I think both of us do things where you have to meet people where they're at and then go from there. All right, now that we're done with this part of the episode, I want you to hop on over to part two and go take a listen to her process because, Lordy, I wish I had a brain that functioned the way hers did, and I also wish I had a teeny tiny Melissa in my pocket where I could like just ask her questions as I go about my day, and I wish she was my body double for life. But anyway, go on over and listen to that. <laughs>